Welcome to the Be Kind Podcast with your host, Joe Kirkner, presented by the Animal Advocates of South Central Pennsylvania. Welcome, everybody, to the Be Kind Podcast. I'm Joe from the Animal Advocates of South Central PA, joined by John, also Hello. from the Animal Advocates, and Gina from Huckleberry Trails. And we Hi are there. Hello, everyone. And as a quick reminder, uh, we are part of the Animal Advocates' mission to create a more compassionate world for all living creatures, whether those creatures are from 2020, 2021, or any other year. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. They all <laughs> deserve to be loved, and we're making a world where they are loved. And if you ever have any questions, send us an email at bekindpodcast at gmail.com. Like us wherever podcasts are sold, and subscribe, and share with all your friends. As I said, here are Gina and John, here to talk about farmed animals and all that good stuff. Hi, Gina. Hi there. How are you? We're both pretty good. <laughs> My answer when people ask me that nowadays is acceptable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Gina, would you mind introducing yourself and telling the listeners a little bit about, about what takes up most of your time and what you're passionate about? So my name is Gina Beck. I'm the founder of Huckleberry Trails Animal Sanctuary. And prior to that, in my former life, I was in the PA National Guard. And I also worked at uh, the U.S. Army War College as their sexual assault response coordinator. And what takes up most of my time now is the sanctuary, of course, Although I have what would probably consider be considered not many animals compared to other sanctuaries, I have 31, and they take up a good bit of time. So um, I'm on 20 acres out here in Shermansdale, and um, they're everything. I mean, even when they're not taking up time, you know, you're always thinking about them because they're out here, and they depend on you for every little thing that they need. So... Um, most of my time is, you know, working things at the sanctuary or just trying the best I can to keep up with, you know, my indoor animals and my, you know, and the house. And that's, um, that's about it. On the, on the few occasions that I get to go out and enjoy myself, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but, <laughs> but occasionally I do get to go out, you know, and, um, bowl or go to dinner or something like that but most of my time is spent here mm-hmm. which i'm very good with <laughs> you should just adopt a bunch of sea monkeys and that will triple the amount of animals <laughs> you have on your sanctuary that's that's wonderful that's a wonderful idea <laughs> so actually uh since you, we were just talk, talking about how you're you're always thinking about your animals i was just thinking uh we just had a big snowstorm like how did they react to that like you're because you have goats and stuff like <laughs> were they running around going crazy in the snow or are they kind of just like chilling no you know um different animals react differently mm-hmm. um i have two pot belly pigs they will not come out mm-hmm. i have goats they also do not like to come out in the snow okay um some of them ventured out more than i would have thought mm-hmm. but um mostly they are not a fan of snow or rain uh, the cows don't mind it. The sheep don't mind it. The chickens are undercover, so they were, you know, they were well protected from it. But it was a lot of work, that snowstorm, because I, knowing that the goats and the pigs wouldn't come out, you know, we shoveled, we shoveled paths for them. 
so that they could at least come out, get some sunshine, you know, not just be crammed in a building for three days. You know, you just sort of modify what you do when you have weather like that, Mm -hmm. just to make it as comfortable as you can for the animals. Well, I have so many questions, but I want to get ahead of myself. Could you answer the stereotypical, what is your vegan journey and how did you find yourself starting a farmed animal sanctuary? My actually today is my five year anniversary for vegetarian going vegetarian. Yeah. So, um, so my journey started in 2015. I was diagnosed with something called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is where your own immune system attacks your nervous system. And so at my worst, I was completely paralyzed. I went from one day being fine to the next day, um, just not being able to move, not being able to talk, not being able to focus my eyes on anybody. And so um, from that recovery, uh, which involved a lot of medications and a lot of rehab, I just started sort of um, watching documentaries and doing research on medications because at some point when you're taking so many different medications, you start to wonder whether the way you're feeling is because of your illness or because of the side effects of the medications. Right. And so and so my journey began with trying to sort of come off of those medications or at least not have to take as many as I was or as many milligrams as I was. And so that was how my vegan journey started prior to becoming that ill never had it crossed my mind. I wish it had, Mm -hmm. but that was what really started it, me getting sick. And I originally did it for health. Well, while watching those documentaries, I'm sure you're familiar with Netflix and how after you watch something, it sort of suggests that you watch other things that are related. Mm -hmm. You know, I watch what what the health Mm -hmm. and um, different things like that. And all of a sudden I'm watching documentaries on factory farming. And so that was a whole other, other side and other reason for me to do what I did. Like I said, originally it was for health, but once you start learning about factory farming and what these animals go through, you sort of can't turn your back against that either. Then it just became for, for both. And then you sort of, Uh, Or for me, anyway, um, you know, it becomes about, you know, the planet as well, because you just continue to educate yourself. Right. But how I started the animal sanctuary was part of my recovery. And after I learned about factory farming was to find an animal sanctuary and to volunteer. And so I ended up Mm -hmm. finding a sanctuary that's a little bit south of Lancaster Mm -hmm. called Chenoa Manor. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with that. I don't think... Yeah, you're not familiar with them? No. Yeah, they they aren't real big on uh, marketing, and you don't, I wouldn't, I don't even know how, I think I Googled them, and that's how I found them, but had I not done that, I still have never seen their name come up in sort of the sanctuary circles, and that was before Lancaster Farm Sanctuary was open. Oh, wow. So, so I went to Tanoa and volunteered there for a summer, and it was just very therapeutic for me to be around the farm animals. And mm-hmm. so I just decided that that's what I wanted to do. I was married at the time. 
I asked my husband what he thought. You know, I just wanted five acres. You know, just just five acres, rescue a few animals, and that was sort of where I began. That's amazing. That's an incredible story. Yeah, that is quite an <laughs> adventure. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, sure. Tell us a little bit more about your animals, because you said you had 30-plus animals. Like, what what do you have exactly? So I have um, I have three cows, and I have the two pot bellies. I have several sheep. I have more goats than anything. <laughs> um, I, I, I kept telling people that I had 16 goats, but yesterday I recounted, and I have 18. Oh. So I sort of lost track somewhere <laughs> on how many goats I had. But it was funny because as I... You know, I went through all of the paperwork to get the 501c3, and of course, you know, we looked for land, but in, in during all that time when I didn't have animals, mm-hmm. I was sort of networking. Um, I found you guys through mm-hmm. someone, and and you guys actually on your Facebook page, you're sort of responsible for all my goats, oh. because through your Facebook page, I found the big goat rescue in York. Oh. And so I went down just to help transport some goats to other homes because I wasn't open yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Grace with Animal uh, Rescue Inc., mm-hmm. she was sort of the lead on that. And she had so many that she still needed to find homes for. Mm-hmm. By the time I opened, I was able to help her and take, take some of them. Um, from her so yeah that's where my my first animals were really from that goat rescue Mm -hmm. and you actually have some celebrities don't you (laughs) (laughs) some might say pongo's a celebrity (laughs) is pongo the goat that went viral with the picture of your dad Uh, yes yes. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so my dad was it was uh give local york uh this big thing that happens uh, fundraising thing and we were at a we had an art show going on and pongo was just kind of there to like represent animals and my dad was holding this picture uh, holding this amazing baby goat it wasn't even how old was pongo at the time like oh gosh pretty. he was probably only a couple months yeah yeah maybe he was, three months he was just a baby but like the picture's so amazing because they're both making the same face and it's just it's incredible. <laughs> and I posted it up on Reddit and it went viral on there. And then Board Panda, which is like this international magazine like website thing, they reached out to me and they're like, Hey, can we like do an interview with with you? And I'm like, Uh yeah, absolutely. And it blew up and it was amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I think would be helpful for the listeners to hear is that I think we all understand the concept of a farmed animal animal sanctuary, but I think hearing about more the specifics behind the lives of these animals and how it's different from the alternative of the animal agriculture. We all know animal agriculture is terrible with neglect, abuse, whole nine yards, though I don't know a whole lot about the day-to-day life of an animal on a farmed animal sanctuary. So could you tell us a little bit about what that entails and how it really is a much more enriching and nurturing experience for these creatures? Yeah, I mean, it all starts when I think back to some of the some of the animals that I have, even going to the goats, which we were just talking about, you know, you we went there and they were in just 
this small little area, you know, not a blade of grass in it. There were 60 some goats in there. Now, a lot of them, a lot of the females were pregnant at that time, but there were 60 some goats in just this small little area. You know, they all have the numbers in their ears. You know, they're getting kicked around by the farmer and um, they're, they're just not loved. They're there for a, a whole different purpose, which is to provide money to them and to bro- and to be used as food. And so they don't they don't care for them like they're cared for on a sanctuary. So when all of those goats left and Grace is rooting through them and she's taking them to the vet and she's taking stool samples, they all were riddled with you know lice and and worms and parasites and they were so sick but the farmer's not going to put money into caring for the animal because that's going to take money out of the profits. And like I said, they just don't, they just don't care about the animal's welfare mm-hmm. where, you know, when they come to an animal sanctuary or even, you know, some of them are in backyard sanctuaries that are not 501c3s per se, but they are getting top-notch care in the backyard of someone's home who who provides them with, you know, the love and care that they need. It's just a whole different world for them. We, in, and by we, I mean sanctuaries, backyard sanctuaries, people who really care about them, we worry about everything. So if something doesn't look right one day, you know, especially when you first get them, you're panicking like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, let me take them to the vet. I mean, you do that. I do that still anyway, but it's just a whole different viewpoint than what they feel like on a farm. Mm -hmm. They would not get vet care. They just absolutely would. I shouldn't say that about all farms or all farmers that, you know, they go around kicking animals, but certainly the end, the end state is that they get to live out their entire natural life in a sanctuary or a home that's really caring for them. They, they aren't, they aren't, their life isn't being cut off at just, you know, 5% of what it should be. You know, pigs, for instance, you know, they're six months and they're, you know, being slaughtered. Well, their natural lifespan is, you know, 18 years. Cows, 18 months on a beef farm. Their natural lifespan is 20 some years, some 30 years. So we just commit to taking animals and taking care of animals for the rest of their natural life. And hopefully that's a very long life. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. You mentioned you're a 501c3. And for those not in the lingo or the know, that means uh, Huckleberry Trails is a nonprofit organization. So if you donate money to them, it's tax deductible and all that fun stuff. Right. Which leads into my next question, which is how do you financially support all this work? I'd imagine there's a whole lot of resources and expenses related to caring for these non-human animals. There is. I am very lucky because when I got sick in the military, um, I had 22 years, which meant that I was eligible for a retirement. And also in my civilian capacity, I had I had just gone over the 10-year mark, which meant that I was also eligible for a, a retirement from them too. Not a full retirement per se, but but enough that every little bit helps when you're doing something like this. Next question relates more to the activism side of things. How do you use or use as a terrible board? How do you collaborate with your non-human animals to participate in vegan activism? 
mostly, I guess, through um, probably mostly through, you know, Instagram or Facebook, just, you know, telling their stories. I, I have not done public tours yet. I haven't done many events. Most of my activism is, is through messages and through stories that I post on Facebook and Instagram. And right now we are participating in Veganuary. So, you know, I posted about that a couple of days ago, but, but that for the most part, it's just telling their stories. Stories are sticky. Fundraising 101. <laughs> yeah. And I think they, I think they deserve to be heard. I mean, I think about Helen and, you know, I have a blind uh, cow and she is, um, she's a year and a half old and I, you know, you hate that she's blind, but being blind saved her from the dairy industry. So, you know, people need to know that story that, that had she not been blind, she would be pumping out babies every year, losing those babies every year and then be slaughtered after she could no longer produce milk you know, for humans, it just, so I, I, I'm thankful every day that whatever brought these animals here, whatever happened in their life before here, I'm just glad they're here. And, and, and that goes for any sanctuary, you know, whatever terrible story comes before their life at a sanctuary, as sorry as I am about those stories, I'm so happy for whatever brought them to a loving place. And it really is a loving place. Like I, I've been there, and I see how much you care about those animals, and it's it's really great what you're doing. Seriously, thank you, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I personally think it's just amazing that you do this, and I respect it so much. And I'm just in awe that individuals like you are able to coordinate these operations and have the discipline and structure in place to make sure that these animals have loving homes. And I know something I would struggle with if I was in your situation would be hearing about the millions, billions, untold numbers of animals dying every day for our consumption, and then coming home and seeing those animals in my house remind me constantly of that suffering. Because when you see Honey, who's your cow, that's just one cow. And then that's millions of others out there just like her who are dying. And I would just be emotionally distraught if I was in that situation. So how do you cope with that or handle those complex Um, overwhelming emotions i would have to say that the hardest part of that for me was my first year it's easy to turn for me it's actually you know i'm sort of in my own little world up here and and it's all consuming up here and so for me it seemed the hardest to deal with that when i was just learning about it when I was just finding out about factory farming and how many billions of animals are killed every year and how many millions every day. And, you know, that's when you start to notice everything that you never noticed before. You notice every single slaughter truck that goes by. You notice every, every single chicken house that you go by. You notice every farm, dairy farm, other farm. It was very difficult for this year when I was first learning about all of this stuff that I never heard before. Now I would say I I almost feel like I sort of it out. I don't look I don't watch a lot of things. I mean I advocate and I try to get others to see to make that connection. But I feel like for me in terms of keeping myself healthy that 
I have to understand that I can only do so much. And, and so I don't, I don't, I can't allow myself to get overwhelmed by that because I have so many other things to take care of that I have to show up for every single day. So I, I have to be thankful for the ones that we have and hope to reach people by sending messages out there. That's sort of how, how I cope. Giving people the opportunity to hear those stories, to see these animals, to interact with them, I think really is a game changer a lot of times. The first time I saw a cow in the flesh in a situation where it just got to live its life, it blew my mind. And now every time I drive by a farm and see cows lying around in the field, it breaks my heart to see that. And yeah. I just people like you are the reason why I think eventually the world will come around by putting animals in contexts that aren't just for our use and exploitation. So again, can't say enough. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny that you say, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking now, um, I have a neighbor right across the street who just, um, put about 20 calves over there and, um, and it, it breaks my heart every time I see them because, you know, I know they're only there for 18 months and they are the cutest little things. Mm. And that has probably been the most, you know, that has probably been the hardest thing I've dealt with for a long time because I can't not see that. Right. You know, my dog, my dog goes over there and, you know, he's making friends with all of these little calves. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It is heartbreaking because they are no different. I mean, my cows, they love to be brushed. They love for me to scratch their face. Leo will put his mouth, you know, against my cheek. I mean, there is just no difference. But, but you know, it's so hidden from people what happens. And, you know, people just don't have cows as pets, so they just don't see it that way. Yeah. But that's the way it is. They're no different. Yeah. So you mentioned your neighbors, actually. I have a question about that. They Do they yeah. know? They, you probably know what I'm going to ask. Do they know what you're doing and how do they, oh, react, yeah. how do they react to that? <laughs> you know, there there is, we're not close. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> there's just, um, there's, there's not a whole lot more I could say about that. We are cordial, mm -hmm. but they know what I do, and now I know what they do. It's new for them. They mm -hmm. just brought them over there like a month ago. Oh, wow. I can't ignore them in the hopes of not becoming close to them, mm -hmm. you know, because I know one day I'm going to go out there and they won't be there anymore. But yeah. gosh, they're just, you know, they deserve to be, they deserve for someone to show them that they're worth something. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's end this on a happier <laughs> note. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, Gina, could you tell us a happy story, something that really sticks out in your mind that really reinforces why you put all this time, effort, energy, and resources into what you do? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> yes, that's that's easy. I mean, I, I sort of said, um, you know, when, when the animals come uh, from rescue, they are completely different than, than who they are now. So the potbelly pigs, for instance, one of those pigs, it took six months to get that pig to roll over and let me give him a belly rub. <laughs> but the, the motivation and the, it's, it's so nice seeing them grow into who they really should be. So, um, you know, they might come here scared. They might come here not trusting you. They might come here, you know, those calves, I'm still working on being able to give them a treat. Mm -hmm. Um, 
as soon as I reach my hand out, they sort of run. And that's typical when they're, you know, when, when they're not touched and they're not, you know, shown any kind of compassion. But, you know, that happens when they come here. It takes a long time to earn their trust because, and some of them, you don't know where they come from. You don't know their stories. Mm -hmm. You know they're not good, but you don't know how bad. Yeah. And so you just keep working every day to try to get them to trust you and to understand that you're there for them. And that's, that's the give back. That's the, um, that's the reward for doing all of it is just to see them bond with other animals and become exactly who they're meant to become. And that's just, that's priceless. It's yeah. priceless to see that. Definitely sounds like it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I can't think of any better note to end it on than that. But yeah. if anyone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about what you do, how can they find you? They could find, I have, um, I'm on Facebook and I am on Instagram under Huckleberry Trails Animal Sanctuary, you know, and they could message me or. We'll put links to both those in the show notes. And we'll put in the uh, the article from uh, Board Panda about Pongo. Yes. <laughs> Get yes. you a few more views on that viral. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is a priceless picture, I too. Know, That's it's... great. <laughs> and it's funny. Pongo was, um, I mean, he's just, he's he's such a great, I mean, they're all great goats. But Pongo is, um, he was, fall I was listening to my um, audio book today. Mm -hmm. And I had it on my phone speaker because I didn't have my my. Uh, earbuds in mm -hmm. and he was following me around i was laughing at him today because he was following <laughs> me around like he was listening to the story and he didn't want to miss anything it was he's he's such he's just he's such a handsome guy i love him i'll love reading that story again oh <laughs> yeah, well thank you so much again gene for taking time up i'm sure it was been a busy day for you and i hope you had a good time on the podcast i hope your animals have a great time as well hopefully yes. as things start to be a little less snowy and rainy <laughs> right yes yes thank you guys so much for what you do oh and thank you for what you do you're amazing seriously oh thank you we love you and happy, thank you happy I new love year you guys. <laughs> happy new year to you guys too yeah and happy new year to all you listeners out there and if you want to wish us or gene or anyone a happy new year you can email us at bekindpodcast at gmail.com oh thanks again for listening and bye everyone bye so long. Thank you for listening to the Be Kind Podcast, presented by the Animal.